Hey gang, my guest today is Kirby Ferguson, a filmmaker who is best known for his online series Everything is a Remix. I had a really great conversation with him, and if you agree, one way to help the show is to leave a five-star review. Thanks. Hi, welcome to Culturally Determined. I'm your host, Arya Cohen-Wade, and my guest today is Kirby Ferguson. Kirby, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name is Kirby, and I am a filmmaker, writer, and speaker. Thank you for coming back on. My pleasure. So I have been wanting to have you back on for a while, and the occasion originally was that you are redoing your uh, seminal video series, Everything is a Remix, uh, so you are remixing it, and I yes. thought that was interesting and wanted to talk to you about it. But a couple of weeks ago, you announced that you are essentially retiring from doing the stuff you've been doing for a decade or so, which is making videos for online consumption and talking about uh, some of your various ideas. Yeah. And so that made it even more urgent to uh, talk to you before you enter your period of seclusion. <laughs> yes. Um, well, let's at least talk briefly about that sort of more breaking news of why you decided to sort of hang up, <laughs> hang up uh, your video editing software. And what led you to make that decision? Yeah. I mean, it's not quite as stark as, as what you're saying. I will <laughs> be making video. I, I actually will be doing a lot of video production in the future, but it just won't be, I won't be making free content and trying to make a go of it as a content creator, mm -hmm. which I did for a long time. I did it for, um, the way I explained it was it worked for maybe four years, you know, really worked. Then, you know, I scraped by for a few years and then there's been a few years lately where it's just not working and I'm basically doing charity work. I'm just subsidizing it with, with other, other labor from elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not been working for a long time. I've tried a lot of different things and, uh, I had a baby is the most important thing. So I've got a son now and like everybody else that just, you know, totally reorients what is important and your priorities. And, um, you know, it just had to change. It wasn't even a choice really. It's, it, it was, it just had to change. So basically the big thing that's different is just that providing and making an income is the top, top line priority for me, that that's what I have to continually, uh, hit. Whereas before I was sort of like, I was doing things that I thought were interesting and, and rewarding and th that hopefully could provide some sort of insight. And I wasn't too concerned about, I, I was hoping that they could be commercial, but I, it wasn't really the, the core aim. So basically like I've done, um, I've done some video production for the New York times in the past. I, I'm, I'm probably doing more stuff for them in the future. Some, some stuff that I've written and also some editing for other writers at the paper. So there's still stuff that I will be doing that's fairly visible. I just won't be doing, uh, I, I don't plan to be making new videos that are in my traditional sort of video essay format mm -hmm. and putting that for free on my YouTube station. So as far as I know, once I finish this reboot of everything is remix, which has two parts left, I, I don't think there'll be anything new on my, uh, YouTube channel for the foreseeable future, unless it's some sort of like fun thing that I start doing just, just as a hobby for the hell of it, but it won't be the, the style that I'm known for. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so obviously there's been a major shift to your personal circumstances and congratulations on having a, a child. Thank you. 
has also sort of the entire ecosystem changed since you started such that yeah. it's it's harder now to yeah. actually make money from from doing this sort of free online content yeah or 10 years ago it wasn't i think it's it's difficult to say because you know i'm i'm, I'm a sample size of one uh and basically i went viral one time like 10 years ago and then i've not really done it since then but it was definitely then there was just I, i've said this a, a bunch of times but back then it just seemed like if you just did something good you could get a good amount of attention and i think that this everything is remix series went beyond that it truly went viral and, and got seen by a lot of people but in that era if you just did something good that was enough <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like you, you could get seen hundred thousand times or fifty thousand times or whatever you know there's some sort of like like wow sort of number to uh to a person who's a hobbyist you know whereas now there's just so many people doing it and i just see content all the time that is superb quality uh just seems like fantastic stuff and you know they'll have two thousand three thousand views or whatever sometimes less sometimes 500 views sometimes 800 views you know like it really is just hyper, hyper, hyper saturated now. And um, it's very like how to break through is very mysterious. Mm -hmm. And um, I just feel like there's sort of a deflation that is in effect, an attention deflation that is in effect where um, there's a lot more views going around, but um, they're worth a lot less, generally speaking. And, um, you know, there's big, big winners who get, get just tens of millions of views. And, but there's just more and more people who are just sort of trickling along at the, the lower end of the spectrum. And that became me. Like, like I, I, the reboot of Everything is Remix, it's done fine. And it, it ultimately will get to you know, six figures or whatever, which is, which is amazing. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing that. I mean, that, that's an incredible thing to do, but it's kind of slow going to get there. And if it's not enough, those sorts of numbers aren't, uh, aren't a living, you know, that sort of mm -hmm. slowly accumulating six figure views isn't really something that you can uh, make a living out of. So um, yeah, to me, it just seems like a, it's just a world <laughs> that I don't know that needs me. Uh, or, or it needs anybody, really. It just seems like uh, there's a ton of voices and it sort of seems like a lot of us should just maybe find something else to do. That's my somewhat embittered take. Huh. Okay, well, that's that's very interesting. And, you know, just you say like just doing something good yeah. you know, isn't enough. I mean, like doing something no. good is hard. God, no. There's not, yes. <laughs> what you actually, I mean, anyone has the raw materials with a basic set set of skills to do something and the things you have been doing are very highly from a lay person's perspective they seem extremely highly edited you clearly put a ton of work into them and then i guess when you compare it to a tiktok video that gets uh -huh. 10 million views or something yeah um and maybe it's just like a 17 year old like dancing or, or pulling a prank or something then i guess that's yeah. sort of dispiriting um you know it's like the the 500 page novel uh versus the tweet or something um yeah. so so there is that and yeah and i your work uh, everything that i've seen has been consistently good and you know the last time we spoke it was about your documentary series this is not a conspiracy theory and that you know that took like seven or eight years or mm -hmm. maybe even more to fully complete yeah um so yeah so just doing yeah doing something good is <laughs> very difficult it's not cut yeah there's that's a lot hard of crap on, out there yeah that's hard on its own and then to have something that is good 
that also is popular is basically, you know, you're, you're a lottery winner at that point, or you're super, super clever. <laughs> but I think most of the time you're a, you're a lottery winner. Right. And, and it seems like the, the model is emerging such that, and, and it's different for different media, media mediums and, you know, video is different than writing, yep. but like sort of the Substack model has emerged as an alternative to the advertising model. And I, th I think that's generally positive, but has drawbacks like it sort of becomes a group think kind of thing. And you're often someone who has like, at least in the Substack world, someone who has like various grievances uh, and um, slams some identifiable group that other people don't like. That seems to be a good way to attract a couple thousand people who are willing to pay you five bucks a month. But, yep. you know, the advertising based model, which is what most of online media embraced circa 20 years ago, has been basically a total disaster from, from every, almost every perspective, economic, moral, cultural, uh, spiritual, perhaps even like it's really bad stuff. So something seems like it has to change. And so, yeah, so that's one model. Then the other one would just be having some sort of institutional affiliation or wealthy patron or something like that. You know, the writer who gets hired by a magazine or uh, Peter Thiel decides to <laughs> subsidize you. Um, yeah. And that seems to be a viable model also, but of course you have to keep either the institution happy or the, you know, fickle billionaire happy uh, in, yeah. in that situation. So it, it seems, yeah, I mean, it, it's super rough out there yeah. in general. Yes. Yeah, it's really tough. And I mean, I think Kevin Kelly had this, um, you know, super influential essay back in the day called, um, 1000 true fans, I think was the, was the title of it. And, you know, the premise of course, was that you could have a number like a thousand of just real fans, like people who want to see everything that you do. And the idea was that you could make a living off of that. And I'm pretty confident that I have those thousand true fans and you know, it, it that actually doesn't work. Like you do need, that's not the right number. I mean, Andy, I'm sure he picked that number just because it was, it was a simple, catchy number. Um, but I don't know what the number is, but um, I, the, the net number is high. It's got to be six figures, I think, or, or whatever that you're drawing in there regularly. And um, that is tough to get. And most people uh, can't have that unless you're like super specialized, unless you've got like a really great niche. Um, like if you're the guy in a, a small pond, Right. I think that can work as well. And I, I think for a lot of people, that's probably a better route is just to serve some community um, that is that you really know uh, and that you can just serve better than anybody else. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Finding some sort of niche audience, especially things related to ways that would make the audience money in some way. Like there's this guy who start was kind of a, he had no institutional affiliation, uh, like a, a guy in his twenties who started this newsletter about the fed. Um, and, yeah. and I think his name is Nathan Tankus. I, I, if I, I may have that wrong, but he knows his stuff, I guess, and attracted an audience, but also he's, you know, it's people who want to make money based on what the next, you know, economic move by the Federal Reserve is going to be. And so those type of people are more likely to spend $5 a month or, or something than to someone who wants to have it, you know, be exposed to interesting thoughts about remix culture yes. And, yes. And, and other stuff. Yes. Serving some sort of niche that has commercial value is definitely uh, probably a, a more sustainable move than just trying to make interesting things that, that don't kind of have a, um, a clear commercial value to them, you know? 
Right. It's it's a puzzle that only a few people have sort of figured out. And a lot of those people had some pre-existing fame or something like Glenn Greenwald or Matthew Iglesias or something, you know, already were major media figures. And then they went off and are doing their own thing. But, you know, they're monetizing yeah. an audience that was huge yeah. already because of various institutional affiliations in addition to their own talent and such. Um, yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to say about this aspect before we actually talk about some of your some of your work? No, I think that's I think that's funny. <laughs> okay. So okay, so why did you decide to redo or reboot or remix the Everything is a Remix series? Um, because it basically it's just a series that people keep watching, keep talking about, keep sharing, and it was just getting old. Uh so I updated it. I gave it like a really minor update in 2015. Uh, it, it originally came out between 2010 and 2012. Um, so I guess, you know, it, it was established in 2015 that, you know, I update this thing occasionally. So I thought, uh, you know, in another five years or so, I started thinking about updating it again. But then when I started to actually try to do that, I just thought, well, I can just do this all over again. I, I think I should just do it again. I think I could do it better. Mm -hmm. uh, if I just sort of retold the story in a new way and it would be more exciting for me rather than doing so, sort of a minor, like a point one style kind of update to it. It's, it's, a, a, it's a reboot of the original uh, story uh, told in a new way with lots of new material and lots of new examples. You know, it was something that uh, I started a while ago that I updated these to keep them, keep them current um, because it just never goes away. <laughs> like that's another funny thing with my career is that uh, I've kept making new stuff since then. I've done a bunch of different things, but none of them can consistently outcompete the original. Everything is a remix. Like in my stats, they'll like briefly go above it and then they'll drop back down and then it's back to everything is remix, ruling the roost again in my stats. So it's just like uh, culture has spoken and it's a thing that people want. And, uh, you know, I wanted to keep it alive for people because they value, value it so much. And make it the best that I can make it for the new generation of people. Mm -hmm. Has your core idea changed or have you updated your beliefs mm -hmm. since then? Or are you more looking at bringing in more current examples and making it look nicer in 2022 yeah. than it did 10 years ago? It's mostly the latter, for sure. It's mostly making it look better, making it play better and using new examples and incorporating new technologies. That is the bulk of it. But the fourth part is going to be especially different. The fourth part of the original series was about copyright. And I feel like that story is not relevant right now. I feel like that that's not a topic that people are interested in or even is kind of culturally resonant. So it's going to go to a completely uh, different, it'll have a completely different destination, but the path uh, before that will, will be quite similar, told in a new way, new examples, but, you know, the same skeleton for sure. But it definitely, the final chapter of it is definitely quite different. Okay, that that's interesting. And, you know, I assume people have heard of it at this point, but people should check out, well, at this point, would you, if someone has not ever seen it would you encourage them to check out what version of the project would you I, I would still send them i i yeah. would say you that you would watch the everything everything is remix remastered which is the 2015 version which is the full then you get the full story and probably as soon as i have the i'm working on the third part of the new version there's four parts to the series i'm, I'm working on the third part now when i have that third part done in the next few months 
then I would point people. I, I feel like at that point, you've got enough of the story that uh, you can watch the new one. But for anybody mm-hmm. who hasn't seen it before, uh, I would say that the original version still has most of the, uh, you can get the complete idea from the original series, uh, whereas this new one will keep you waiting for a few more months. Okay, so well, I'll include the link to that in the uh, podcast notes and if people google everything's remixed they'll both find the website yep. and the first video that pops up is the 2015 everything's remix remastered which you were just referencing so people can check that out and yeah really i think it is a seminal work that you know it has i mean how many videos from you know youtube yeah. 2011 youtube are do people still about, check out yeah. or anything Absolutely. so it has staying power and it's yeah. the ideas have, have shaped my thinking about culture um, yeah. over the past 10 years so so yeah i mean it's it's a great work and uh, unique, oh. yeah it's a pretty as far as, I, as far as i know it's a pretty unique uh little piece of media from that era because yeah there isn't i can't think of anything else from the, not a video uh or a video series uh so to make like a, a documentary um in that era online was definitely unusual and the other ones i can think of are, are conspiracy documentaries actually maybe because that's <laughs> Another culture that I have an interest in, but things like Zeitgeist and Loose Change. Yeah, Loose Change. Which are, which yeah. are garbage and, you know, have not, uh, do not stand up. Um, <laughs> th- those were the other, the other sorts of things that were, uh, that, that people were really into in that era. Yeah, yeah. I, I, things that, you know, did not have like a negative influence on humanity. It's, it's yes. it might stand alone. Um, yes. Okay. Possibly. <laughs> Okay, well, speaking of conspiracy theories, I think the last time we spoke was two years ago. I think it was during the pandemic and Trump was still in office and we talked about uh, a conspiracy theorist is president and and what does that mean? And, you know, the conspiracy theories have only multiplied since then. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, there's January 6th, there's Stop the Steal and, you know, all the weird COVID yeah. and vaccine related conspiracy yeah, theories and it. It seems like, I don't know, conspiracy theories are on the march. Um, and, and I think more people seem to see conspiratorial, a conspiratorial hand behind various events, even people who otherwise are, are totally rational people. It just seems like we're moving yep. more and more to- into conspiracy world. Do you see that as well? absolutely yeah i mean we live in we live in conspiracy land now i mean something i talk about in in the doc this is not a conspiracy theory is that during times when people are afraid this is demonstrated throughout american history when people are afraid conspiracy theories bubble up to the surface right and can potentially uh become mainstream like another era when conspiracy theories were really popular and fully mainstream was during the red scare when we thought communists were everywhere and they kind of were everywhere it wasn't it wasn't a delusional concern for sure um but that was another era where conspiracy theories were being spoken about by politicians and it was you know it completely gone mainstream people were super scared of uh, the atom bomb and communists uh so very scary era in many ways scarier than the now is possibly um so yeah it's just it, it's a product a symptom of this hyper partisan era where the two sides are really afraid of each other and just thinking the worst of each other's. So um, I don't know when it's going to pass, uh, but I do kind of think it will pass. That's my optimistic bottom line. But I, I think it could be here for a while to come still. Yeah. I mean, have you, I mean, have you been surprised? It's sort of a stupid question, but yeah, 
it always sort of seems like, well, things can't get crazier than this in America. And then they do. Um, and yeah. the, the idea that the fever is going to break sometime that hasn't happened yet. Do you think it has to happen? Like does <laughs> to do things have to get more normal or people are just like going to lose interest in this craziness or I have no idea. I, I don't know how it will pan out. I just know that it, ha it, it likely, it just has to decline at some point. That's just the way that culture works, right? Like trend lines don't keep going in one direction. But if we're that we're not bottomed out, uh, would not surprise me. There's way farther that we can go, uh, of course. Uh, and 2024, the 2024 election is not looking promising. It's looking potentially worse than 2020 was. So um, I, it, it is totally possible that we have not bottomed out yet. That is that is for certain. But I don't know if it takes sort of that cathartic moment to to move on or, or what it takes or if it just sort of gradually runs out of gas or what. I, mm -hmm. I, I really wouldn't want to speculate about how it will happen, but I, I do think it it will happen. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't discuss this in the, our little pregame, but this just came to mind. Did you see the article in New York Magazine about the vibe shift from a couple months ago? No, no, I didn't. Um, it was an interesting piece. It was sort, it was semi-satirical and the conceit was sort of like the author, a woman who was maybe about 37 thinking, okay, we're sort of emerging from the pandemic, but I feel like I'm out of touch with the youth. Like I've grown a little bit older. The, like the clothes mm -hmm. I was wearing seem uncool now. And there's various yeah. trends that I don't quite understand. So it was sort of tongue in cheek thing about just like everyone ages and eventually like the things that you think are cool, like young people don't think that's cool anymore. That's sort of a natural part of culture. Yep. But people yeah. start talking about it like, okay, is there some sort of cultural change that is about to happen or we're in the middle of, or that happened during the pandemic? And she interviewed this guy who was like a professional trend caster or something, which is sort of like, mm -hmm. you know, a bullshit artist who gets paid by companies to try to offer yep. what he thinks is going to happen. But people really embrace this article, at least on Twitter, where I see most people talking about articles. And some people were like, oh, finally, a vibe ship. Like, you know, we need something new. It feels like the culture is so worn out and, you know, yeah, we're just like stuck in a rut or something. Like maybe the young people will somehow come up with something new. But I, the way I've, I've also seen people are just sort of like, whatever they don't like about circa 2020 culture, and there's plenty of things not to like, they're like, okay, the vibe ship is that now we're not doing that anymore. So, you know, now we're not, we're not so concerned with pronouns or, or something like that's just an example right. I pulled uh, out or yeah. yeah, now we're, kids are going to be having sex without like worrying about, you know, all the repercussions or, or something like that. It maybe it'll, after people were pent up during the pandemic, it'll be like a roaring twenties kind of thing. That's one possible idea. Right. Does yeah. that, I mean, do you, as someone who has written about how culture always is taking stuff from the, from the past and changing it to invent something new, does that yeah, vibe with you? Absolutely. I mean, that's just culture, right? Like, and I think things can change really, uh, an optimistic note I can sound is that things can change really quickly. And you don't, like, as soon as you kind of see that it's happening, uh, in my opinion, it's already happened. Uh, so things can, they can seem, and they, of course, have taken a while to happen, but uh, you weren't noticing it. But uh, things definitely can turn pretty quickly. And I wouldn't be surprised, like I'm just uh, purely speculating, but just the rancor of modern society, just this hyper-partisan fighting all the time and everything being super political too, 
Mm -hmm. uh, just not being able to escape politics, no matter where you go, that stuff's just got to get old. You know, it's just these things have to, you can't stay at, in the red uh, just year after year after year, right? Like these things have to, uh, the, the source fuel has to get exhausted at some point, right? So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there is uh, an optimistic, happy phase coming, sort of like <laughs> after, after the Carter era, right? We had the, the Sunday, you know, the, the depiction of the 80s that we all see now, which I know is, you know, in a, an exaggeration, but the go-go 80s, the me, the me 80s, where people just wanted to have fun and watch stupid sitcoms and uh, <laughs> do drugs and whatever, you know? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of era uh, is coming. And, uh, you know, I think we'd all kind of welcome that, right? That would be a relief, even if it was stupid and misguided or, or whatever. Uh, like, good Lord, can we just lighten up for a little bit? <laughs> right. And, and there's various people who are predicting, I mean, there's a group of people who are thinking that, like, young people are going to be moving in sort of a traditional conservative direction. Like, mm -hmm. maybe they want to go, you know, there's this idea of, like, trad life of going to, like, an ideal vision of you live on a farm and you're not looking at your phone all the time and you're connected to the land and nature and animals and stuff. And it's, un <laughs> and it's unclear That's how, how <laughs> well, it's unclear how real it is or if this is just like cosplay, like so many other things in American life, but young people who grew up fully in the online era, you can see very obviously how they could be sick of, you know, posting selfies of themselves and just want to sort of disconnect from that world. And there's plenty of people who are sick of the online life that, has you know yeah. built around us and if they can rebel against it in some way that doesn't involve like you know eco-fascism or something i guess that yeah that that would be a good thing um yeah i mean if i could interject like something that i'm that's happening too like the reason that i uh am bowing out of content creation is that uh it's personal uh primarily like i if it weren't for the personal component i don't know I'm, i'd probably just uh keep trucking probably at least for a while but a lot of people are just getting burnt out, you know, like uh, we've been living in this creator economy for a while now, you know, and people are just getting tuckered out. It's very stressful when you can see things are declining. It's very hard to pull out of that decline. It's very hard to uh, make the trend line go up again when things start uh, going downhill. Um, and that's just the natural course of most, most things, right? They, uh, they run, you know, bands break up and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the movie franchises peter out, you know, things, uh, <laughs> things run their course and move on. And that's very tough. It's very tough to, when that's your life, you know, that's, uh, uh, that's real tough. So it's a very stressful and, very criticism uh it's a criticism magnet kind of life you know where you're you can really be taking uh really personal insults uh a lot so i mean there's a lot of people that are just getting tired of this content creator lifestyle as well right right and i mean things have to end at some point but like the star wars cinematic universe is going yeah. strong and a lot yes. of things like that you know marvel and other i don't things. know about that i don't know if it's going strong but it's making money that's for sure yeah well, or at least i mean every like prominent actor of the past 20 or 30 years more or less has been in like a marvel or dc superhero movie this point yeah and all those characters were like created between 1939 and 1965 and you know, Star Wars is going back to the well over and over again. It does. I mean, this is sort of like the decadence, decadent culture thesis. And from everything's remix perspective, like there's nothing new. We're just going back over and over again. But it is somewhat different now that like IP rules popular culture and 
and it's just another Marvel movie, another Star Wars, uh, Batman yeah, yeah. rebooted for the fifth time. And yeah, yeah, the, and people are sort of sick of this. And even people seem to be very excited about the Top Gun movie because that was like IP that had only been had, had not been yeah. exploited once again. You know, it was a standalone thing. There wasn't a um a Top Gun animated series or something. <laughs> it was like oh. wow, just a single sequel. This is revolutionary in, in the current era. Yeah. I mean, I'll be curious where things are going, though. Like, I'll be curious, like, this amount of Star Wars content right now seems unsustainable to me. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I like, and, and like, it seems like the superhero genre is really tapped out at this point. Um, like, I'll be curious in the next 10 years or whatever. I got to say, though, like, I've been thinking superheroes, superhero films were dead for 10 years now, you know? Like, I thought they were done for a long time ago. Uh, so I am fully prepared to be really wrong with this take. Yeah, it does. I mean, there, the, there really is a incredible, like, amount of material out there that they're repurposing. And I mean, you know, it, if... I saw Top Gun last weekend and before it started, like it? Um, I liked it, but not, I wasn't as crazy about it as a lot of other people right. were. Maybe I, I, it was a little overhyped for me. Yeah. I gave it like a B. Um, but before it starts, uh, Tom Cruise comes on screen speaking directly to the audience and he says, you know, these, this was filmed with real planes, you know, real pilots, everything you're seeing on screen is real. And so it's sort of pitching it as an antidote to the CGI world that has become standard over the past 10 or 15 years. But at the same time, like the character is essentially a superhero. He's sort of like an Android yeah. who can do nothing wrong. He's soaring through the sky at Mach 10. Um, you know, yeah. it's just that they didn't use CGI. They used actual planes. And so like, this is not like an art house film or something like this is sort yeah. of kind of the same stuff as before. So I, I don't know. So that the vibe hasn't shifted there yet, at least no. it does. I don't know. It, hopefully new things will continue to emerge. But of course, I think, they, like, they will be remixed from previous cultural yeah. items. I mean, like, I remember something that I think applies to a lot of sorts of content. Uh, and I remember, like, I, I think the, the songwriter Warren Zevon said this at one point, that, like, you get to have a period in the sun where you're youngish and in your prime. Uh, and then towards the end of your life, you get another little run where people are interested in you. And, and if you get that, that's, that, that's an amazing career. You know, you get that uh, youthful period, then people have kind of forgotten about you for a while and then you can come back at the end. But I think that's a common dynamic <laughs> in culture as well, right? Like with something like Top Gun or whatever, like there's commonly this span of about 30 years um, where stuff from the eighties or the nineties, they're, they're coming back now. Um, so there is this lull where like, there is this period where people just have to like, not be interested for, <laughs> for a while. Uh, and I, I think plenty of, uh, you know, uh, for the content creator as well, that applies as well. You know, like you get your period and then there's a lull where people might not care so much about your stuff. And then maybe later, uh, you know, people can be interested in that possibly again. But, you know, there is that, uh, I, I think that a lot of things, they do have that period of um, ascendancy and then they, you know, they have to go away at least for a while. Right. And, you know, th this makes me think of Paul McCartney is still touring. Um, you know, the, like the boober icons are mostly still sticking around and yeah. the culture of the 1960s is still, we're, like, we're still living with that. And you yeah. know, the Beatles documentary that came out, uh, Get Back, you know, was a mm -hmm. 
very successful and very interesting and i watched all like 10 hours of it um yeah. so it's it's still sort of like you know the the peak in various ways has reached 50 years ago people are still obsessed with it at least in terms of rock music which is not a popular genre in general right now yeah. um yeah and then there's like the sort of early 2000s nostalgia seems to be happening now at least in fashion like juicy couture yes. uh jumpsuit velour jumpsuits kind of thing apparently it's that is back and so yeah yep. I, I mean everything old is new again and that's sort of an eternal <laughs> thing is you know the people roughly my age or a little bit younger who grew up with something now they have like the purchasing power <laughs> or they're making the decisions at fashion companies and they want to bring back that kind of stuff so that that cycle is always happening um do you do you want to maybe we could wrap it up there just um anything else on the culture <laughs> the culture as it currently stands or, or or what you're seeing out there or anything like that well i think like something that i was just thinking when you were speaking there is that it's interesting that there's these sort of two dynamics where you had your period of ascendancy and then you go away for a few decades and then you get rebooted later like ghostbusters mm -hmm. or whatever right um, but then these Marvel and Star Wars uh, mega IPs, I guess the way that they're doing it is that it's the universe that keeps going, right? It's not necessarily the particular uh, film series like the Avengers or whatever, right? Which I think is is over for a while now. And yet yet the Marvel universe keeps marching on. So I guess we're in the, the era of universes now, right? Where the universe can keep going on. Uh, but the single film series or leading actor or whatever you know they they uh they do go away right and that's sort of like the corporate identity continues on what well, you know at, at some point like the the actors age out of being able to do these things or they yeah. get sick of it and want to go to something else yeah. but the corporate entity is sort of immortal and, yes. <laughs> and, and, and the characters that stanley and kirby and ditko created in the early 60s there's still comic books coming out every month that feature these yeah. characters and they're more or less yep. exactly the same. True. And so that's, it's sort of like an endless well of things yeah. and they change it. It's, you know, suddenly Thor is a woman and then, yeah. and then, you know, a year later Thor is a man again and then they're re and it's back to basics. And then it's sort of an endless, yeah. that's, that's really, and there's, all these, and there's all these airport authors that I've never read, like, you know, James Patterson or whoever, where they just crank out like a book every year. And they've been doing it for 40 years or whatever, you know, and they keep, uh, they're still there uh, in the bestseller list year after year. Like there's all sorts of people uh, that can just keep cranking it out uh, and just keep burying <laughs> the, the same stuff over and over again. It seems to work. So I don't know, maybe my theory is trash. Yeah. And I mean, is, you know, we have to wonder whether James Patterson is actually writing, you know, every single one or whether there's a team of oh, people who I, yeah. you have to assume it's it's really that and so you know james patterson is going to shuffle off the mortal coil at some yes. point but probably you know the novels inspired by like this happened with tom clancy i assume they're still sort of like from the yeah. world of tom clancy tom clancy jr is writing them or something like that um yes. sort of yeah the brand is harder harder to, to kill off yes okay do you have anything else you want to you, you want to add or discuss um no i mean i think that was a pretty pretty good uh pretty good tour of the things that uh i'm into okay well thank you for taking the time my pleasure you know, I, I, when i saw the message that you were you know sort of leaving uh the world of video content creation that where i first discovered you i was like oh man that sucks but then you know it it, it made sense and uh i yeah 
I hope that uh, you, you know your relationship with the Times and other things they'll they'll still be. Um, I hope to yeah. continue to see stuff, but yeah, know, I hope so too. And I, I mean, I'll just be in a different form. Like I'll still be out there. Um, I just won't be a, a YouTuber. I guess I don't know if I was ever really a YouTuber, but um, so I'll be doing videos for the Times, and then I'll be. I, I'm thinking of of text as being my main medium going forward uh, because it's uh, quicker. Right. Videos, videos, very slow. Videos, very slow and laborsome. And uh, you know, I need a break from it. Uh, it's very hard to uh, evolve something when you're making videos, right? Like with text, you can just put a little something out there and see how it goes over, and then either extend the idea or leave it or whatever. But with video, in particular, the way in particular the way that I do video, there's so much labor that goes into making the video. It takes you months to make the video, right? Uh, and then maybe you can pivot after that video comes out, but it's very slow going, right? So. Uh, I want things to be faster uh, for the near future with my creative intellectual pursuits. So I think text will be my main uh, creative outlet going forward. Okay, that that makes sense. And that sounds promising. And yeah, so I, in addition to seeing um, Top Gun last week, and I also saw the Doctor Strange movie. And, you know, with the Marvel movies, you wait till the end to see the little post you're all the great. You're, you're seeing all the great films of our time. I know. I like I like seeing the big blockbuster things on the big screen Me because too. it's Me sort too. of that's what they're made for. But, you know, yeah, when you sit absolutely. through these Marvel movies, the list of people who are involved in making it is thousands, yeah. seemingly, of people. And if you think of, you know, a single a single creator doing something like this, um, I know. It's, it's just a crazy different scale. Um, but, yeah, video is, is a uh, complex medium, a powerful it's, one, obviously. Yeah, it's it's for sure. I mean, it's it's that's why I think, like, the, the vlog format and TikTok, and these sort of quicker, easier formats are so dominant is because they're they're funnier. They're they're quicker and easier and, and more fun to make than than doing more of a an old media style of documentary. Right. Yes, that makes sense. Um, okay, so if people want to keep up with the end of the rebooted everything's remix or yep. whatever whatever you are doing in the future, where where should yes. they go? Where should they look? They should subscribe to my newsletter. So if you just search for Everything is Remix, you'll end up at my website. And then there's a pop-up there that will invite you to uh, subscribe to my newsletter. Uh, I got to say, too, for, for people listening, newsletters are very rewarding. Like, I just feel a lot more impact and connection from writing a newsletter than I do from making a video. Like sometimes when you make a video and you put it out there, you kind of wonder if you actually did click publish or if anything happened, you know, right. it can be very quiet unless you go look at it and see the comments and, and the views and stuff <laughs> like that. But it, it can be very quiet. Not much happens in your world necessarily when you put video out there, but email is an underrated medium. And I would encourage people to uh, check it out. If you haven't checked it out, it's definitely, <laughs> A way to like to build a deep connection with uh, a smaller group of people, right? And going off of the everything is a remix thesis, I mean, email is one of the oldest online oh, yeah. communication technologies, and it is sort of funny or weird or something that just <laughs> sending an email seemingly yeah. maybe is a better way to do it than everything that has come along in the past thirty or forty yeah. years since sending an email uh, became something that you could do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, it's, I, I feel like it's just a much less crowded place for, for most people. I think, I think their email box is not a zoo the way that, you know, their TikTok feed is or their Twitter feed or whatever is. Uh, and another cool thing from a, from a creator's perspective is that you own your email list, you know, you, you own it forever. You can take it with you to another platform or whatever. 
uh, it's yours. And, you know, you don't own your audience on, on YouTube or whatever, you know, you can't take them with you. So email is uh, an underrated medium for building a, a small core of, of loyalists. Yes, that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So thank you, Kirby, for taking the time. Um, people pleasure, can, you? you know, people can follow me on Twitter if they, if they want to, if they, if they enjoy this conversation yes you do and i appreciate that and you are remix everything on on twitter that's correct yeah i'm uh, remix everything on twitter and i am r-e-a-c-w a-r-y-h-c-w and people can you know rate review tell your friends etc <laughs> okay um <laughs> thank you kirby and thanks to our listeners and we'll see you again next time